Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And so happy to be with you today. I think we're in our 21st year on Voice America and bringing you really amazing programs and amazing guests that help you turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions. And today is certainly no exception. Uh, Today we are talking about how do you manage your performance? How do you manage your stress? How do you beat burnout, which is such a hot topic today? And my guest is Alan Stein, Jr. He is a corporate performance coach and world-renowned speaker. After more than 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, Alan now delivers high-energy keynotes, interactive workshops, and impactful full-day trainings to help organizations improve performance, cohesion, and accountability. And his first book was Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best. And now his next book, which we're talking about today, and his newest book is Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. And just to tell you that some of the athletes that he's worked with have been NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. And he also um, was a performance and consultant coach for Nike Basketball, Jordan Brand, and MBPA Top 100 Camp and McDonald's All-American Game. So we have a real expert on today, and welcome, Alan. Oh, thank you so much, Patricia. It's so lovely to be with you. Yeah, thank you. All right. So you wrote your first book, um, you know, which is called Raise Your Game. And now now your book is Sustain Your Game. So tell us a little bit of the difference in this next book, the second book that you just published. Well, my first book, Raise Your Game, was designed to give folks perspectives and strategies and approaches on how they could reach optimal performance in any area of their life, whether it's relationships or their specific vocation. And I realized that that doing so, reaching that proverbial mountaintop, is really only part of the challenge. Uh, The real hard part is learning how to stay there. So that was the impetus for the new book, Sustain Your Game, and, and how we can continue to sustain high performance and high standards of excellence for long periods of time without letting stress stagnation and burnout undermine our journey. So this is my first question, because I often ask this of, um, you know, celebrities or people, whether it's in the arts or whether it's in sports, because they have to sustain their game no matter what they're doing, they're performing. So my question is, what is it that separates these top performers like a Kobe Bryant or Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry from the rest of us? Is it that they're smarter? Is it that they have more skill? Is it that they're just natural born athletes or is it more than that? Oh, it's definitely more than that. I mean, when we talk about playing professional sports, certainly there is a physicality component. Uh, yes. And one can take a quick glimpse at someone like LeBron James and realize that he was born with different physical tools than the rest of us. Um, but physicality aside, which is actually irrelevant for those of us not playing in professional sports, um, everything else comes down to mindset, uh, to habits, to our ability to focus, um, mm-hmm. to our, our 
uh, our surroundings, our inner circle, the people that we choose to be around, um, the type of content we consume. And, and what I find so empowering and liberating about that is those are all controllable factors. So while you and I might not be cut from the exact same cloth as a Kevin Durant or a Stephen Curry, we can absolutely utilize the same strategies and mindsets and rituals and routines as high performers like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so interesting, Alan, because there is so much stress today more than ever before. I do, in addition to the programs, I do a lot of corporate webinars and I speak to lots of managers and leaders and team members that are just feeling so much stress because there's so much uncertainty now and you know how do they prevent burnout they're all asking that question and how do they um, use stress management skills and there's just a lot of anxiety and pressure and depression out there now so speak to that particularly today with everything we're going through with the war in Ukraine with COVID which is we're still not totally out of the woods with COVID with the economy with climate change with race issues and it's changing constantly. So whenever we have uncertainty, right, we're always going to have anxiety. So speak to that, please. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you went in this direction. And that is in, incredibly uh, thoughtful and insightful what you just brought up. Uh, I think the very first step is acceptance, is learning how to acknowledge and accept right. what things we have control over and what things that we don't. A, a good portion of stress happens to be derived from resisting or worrying about or getting anxious over things that we don't have control over. And and the list that you just mentioned, whether it's the pandemic or what's going on in the Ukraine or political divide or the economy, those are all things outside of our control. So on some level, we have to learn how to accept those things. Now, that doesn't mean that we like them. That doesn't mean that they're our preference. That doesn't mean that if we were gifted with a magic wand, we wouldn't change them immediately. Right. But there, it, it's futile to try to resist something that we have no control over. So instead, we need to put the focus on what we do have control over, right. which is our response to those things. And um, I, the best definition that I've ever heard of stress comes from modern-day philosopher Eckhart Tolle, who says stress is simply our desire for things to be different than they are in the present moment. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you think of that, that means mm-hmm. just learning to accept and say, okay, you know, I don't prefer for there to be a two-year global pandemic, but I don't have control over it. So I'm going to accept that it, this is what is happening. This is reality right now. And I'm going to come up with a response to this that will help mm-hmm. move me forward and make my situation better. And um, right. I really and truly believe that this kind of acceptance and acknowledgement and understanding the difference between what we control and what we don't is a massive first step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. And there are things we can do, right? Like wearing the mask and social distancing. And if we don't feel well staying home. So and if all of us do those things, right, and we get vaccinated, if all of these do these things, or many of us do, even though there's controversy about them, but the more we move in that direction together, we are making a difference, don't you think? I do. But here's where I agree with you from a personal value standpoint. But here's where we get into stress again. You and I don't control what everybody else chooses to do. So if, right. if other groups choose not to do the things that you just listed, we have to have some level of acceptance of that. If yeah. not, we're going to be stressed out because other people choose to live their lives differently than we yeah. do. And, and, and I know this is a tough pill to swallow. And, and please know, I, I say this with a huge smile to you and all of your listeners, 
you know, I'm not coming from a place of mastery. You know, working on acceptance is, is still a challenge in my life. I have the same struggles as everybody else. But what I've learned to do is acknowledge what I have control over, acknowledge what I don't, and then put my focus into the response. And that, that in and of itself will start to help lower stress. When we try to control things that are outside of our control and then they don't go the way that we'd like them to go, that heightens stress and that heightens mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's never the situation, right? It's our response. The situation itself absolutely. doesn't yeah. have and stress. It's how we perceive it. And, and that's what's right. so fascinating to me is that you can have two people relatively right. intelligent, relatively informed, look at the exact same scenario yeah. and come to completely different conclusions. Yeah. So it's, it's our perception. And, and knowing that stress is the response. Stress is never the event itself. Stress is the right. response. And here, here's an example. I, I think most people would agree that sitting in gridlock traffic, especially if you're running late for an appointment or a meeting, right. is a rather stressful situation. And, okay. and I think that's kind of a natural human default to feel that. But we have to realize that the stress does not come from the cars that are in front of us that are in our way. The stress comes from our desire to be, for the desire for that present moment to be different for our wish that those cars would get out of our way because everyone handles that differently. You may have Mm -hmm. one person who that literally causes their blood pressure to rise. Uh, They get irritated. They're angry. They're fidgety. They honk their horn, maybe even shout some obscene, you know, something obscene and they're getting all worked up over the traffic. And then you have somebody else who chooses just to take a deep breath, maybe enjoy some quiet or some stillness, maybe turn on a podcast or a radio show like yours, and they handle the exact same scenario with a completely different response. So the traffic is the same in both examples. How one chooses to respond to the traffic is their choice and dictates how they feel stress. So that's, that's why in my own life, I'm doing the best I can, and trust me, I am far from perfect, at choosing responses to stressful scenarios um, that better serve me and move me in the right direction. Because as anyone who'll tell you who's been stuck in traffic, it doesn't matter how irritated or annoyed you get or how many times you honk your horn, it doesn't change anything. So in essence, the only person you're punishing is yourself. Yeah. And I think in today's world, now that we have cell phones, it's a lot better than it was. You know, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years ago, when you couldn't tell anybody and you walked in late, people were worried about you. It was different. So we do have, and that to me is a stress reliever right there, is just the fact that you can contact people and let them know. So that's that's helpful. Yeah. It doesn't tell the whole well, story. Well, yeah, and what's so interesting, better. I'm so glad you brought that up, is that is, in the, in the frame that you just use it, yes, the cell phone is a fantastic tool to heighten our communication, to be able to let somebody know, maybe to relieve that pressure that, okay, it's okay that I'm going to be 10 minutes late because I can now let the person know that I'll be 10 minutes late. But at the same time, for many people, these devices that we're all tethered to are actually increasing stress because we're using them for consumption of stuff that is actually making us more anxious and more worried. And we're, we're constantly Sorry. bickering with people on social media or we're constantly uh, reading news outlets that are feeding us negative headlines mm-hmm. and making mm-hmm. us feel worse. Yeah. So it, it's almost a gift and a curse. So we have to have systems in place to make sure we're very protective of our mental and emotional space and that we're using these devices, which are so helpful, but we're yeah. using them in a way that best serve us. 
uh, couldn't agree more. And it also depends on the person. Some people actually really like the fight, right? They want to get in there. They want the adrenaline to pump. But if that's not what you like and you want more peace than conflict, then you need to move away from it. Some people love the conflict. I think it catches up with you after a while when the adrenaline turns to cortisol. But again, I think this is where, as you said, we have to be aware, right? This is self-awareness. Absolutely, yes. Self-awareness, I think I could make a pretty compelling case as one of the most important skill sets that we each need to possess as human beings. And we all need to know how we operate best. We need to know, you know, so we can put up these guardrails and we can protect ourselves um, from things that are going to, to heighten stress. And, and I'll say an, another thing in addition to self-awareness um, that I've found is, is one of the biggest combatants to stress in the moment is learning how to be present. A good yes. portion of the stress that most people feel on a daily basis is either derived from the past or it's their projection of the future. Well, we either get distracted by something that happened five hours ago, five days ago, five months ago, and we keep reliving the past, even though there's nothing we can do to change it, or we're projecting our anxiety and worries and fears on a future that hasn't even happened yet. So we spend time worrying about what may happen later today or tomorrow or a month from now. And anytime we're straddling the present moment, we're, we're living in the past or we're trying to live in the future, um, in many cases, once again, that heightens stress. So for me, I found a very helpful tool is trying to refocus my lens and recalibrate and be in the present moment. Right now, I am yeah. doing everything in my power to be where my feet are and to give you and your right. listeners my full, undivided yeah. attention. Uh, I have my laptop and- closed. I have notifications turned off. I don't have anything here that would increase the chance right. of me getting distracted and my mind going elsewhere because I-, I want to serve you and I want to serve your audience to the best of my right. ability. If I allow and- all of that other white noise to flare up, that's going to increase my stress level. Right. But I think, Alan, that also speaks to our, our self-care skills and our discipline, right? That's the awareness, yeah. again, where you have that discipline, you know, and I think that that's the important thing. That's why when I do these webinars on stress management and burnout, I'm always saying, you know, you have to do self-care. You have to, again, sit quietly and do the exercise and eat well and get sleep because if you're not feeling your best, it's hard to be disciplined, You know, if you're worried and upset and feel stressed, it's going to be very difficult to practice some of the skills you're talking about. You have to be focused. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You you and I are are certainly very aligned and cut from the same cloth. Uh, In fact, chapter two of my book um, is on time and energy management, and chapter three is on preparation. And all three of those things speak to what you just said so beautifully about self, self-care. We have to prioritize our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being yeah. so that we can show up as our best selves to everything we do. And I'm not even just talking about, you know, showing up for a work meeting as your best self. We each should show up to our family dinner table as our Absolutely. best selves. Like we, yeah. and, and all of that needs to be incredibly intentional. So we, we do know, uh, both intuitively and intellectually, that time is finite, um, that, that we're only given so much time on this planet, and once that's gone, it's gone. But energy is something we can constantly renew and restore, and, and we do that through self-care. You know, most people um, are more concerned with their, their cell phone being fully charged than they are with their own mind and body being fully charged. Yeah. You know, yeah. most people, if their iPhone got down to 3% battery, they'd start to have a panic attack if they couldn't find a plug <laughs> or a Mopi to, to recharge. Yeah. 
yeah. but they let their minds I, and their bodies get down to three percent. So it's really, really important that we prioritize self care because um, once again, that is how we undermine the effects of stress. Absolutely. All right, we're coming up on a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk. We're, we're going to talk about this in the next segment. What Alan's talking about with self discipline and taking care of ourselves. We're going to talk about people who have trouble saying no. I know in a lot of the webinars that I teach globally, this is a real issue, and part of that saying no is self care as well. So we'll talk about that right after the break with Alan and Alan Stein, and we'll talk about not just performing but also pivoting. You know how to avoid stagnation and how we can beat burnout. And again, my guest today is Alan Stein, and he teaches proven strategies to improve both individual and organizational performance by empowering people to develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. He's an internationally renowned veteran basketball performance coach. He spent 15 years with the highest performing athletes on the planet including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. He also served as a performance coach consultant for Nike Basketball, Jordan Barand, MP, NBPA Top Camp 100, and the McDonald's All-American Game. And he's been featured on over 200 podcasts and many clients. So his brand new book that we're talking about today is Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. We're going to be right back right after the break. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. America's Voice will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join hosts Navanav every week for Good Morning Canada. Our home is Canada, but our message and reach is boldly global. Our focus is on the alternative perspective, the hidden dimension, and the expansive horizon. Ideas are designed to be challenged, perceptions shattered, and information balanced. We invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint, dare to be acquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun. Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Patricia Raskin, and we have just an incredible guest on today. My guest is Alan Stein, Jr., and his brand-new book is Sustain Your Game, High-Performance Keys to Managing Stress, Avoiding Stagnation, and Beating Burnout. And he, this is based on years as a successful basketball performance coach, training superstars like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Kobe Bryant and a speaker and trainer to major companies like Pepsi and Amex. He brings you the keys to lasting success, and the secret is really returning to the basics. Not simple, but actually can, you know, can be not simple, but actually are not easy. So we're talking about how the truth is that the more connected and productive and influential leaders and teammates find long-lasting success, not with these flashy changes, but with the accumulation of those little things that they do day by day. Welcome back, Alan. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm loving this conversation and, and loving um, the direction we've been going. This is so much fun. Good. So we were talking right before the break about, you know, how we need to do self-care. We need to really understand that we have to take care of ourselves so we can be more focused. But here's where the problem comes in. And I see this in the webinars that I teach. People are writing in the chat rooms all the time. It's hard for them to say no. You know, it's hard. And it's hard because they, they don't want people to feel that they're letting them down. They want people to know that, you know, that they're worthy and that they feel that they're worthy. Um, so it, it's tricky for people to say no, yet it's very important. So speak to that. I always say, say yes to the person and no to the situation if you need to, but always yes to the person. What do you think, Alan? Oh, well, first of all, I love the way you just phrased that. I'm, I'm writing that down. That is beautiful, <laughs> saying yes to the person, no to the situation. And, and I can tell you that this used to be something that was a massive challenge for me because throughout my life, I have been a, a self-diagnosed people pleaser. I love saying yes. Uh, it makes me feel good. It makes the other person feel good. And, and you said something very insightful there that as I look back, many of the times that I was saying yes was out of an insecurity that I had and this desire simply to be liked and to need other people's approval. But what I've learned as I've gotten older and life experience is a great teacher, um, that when you say yes to one thing, you are technically saying no to something else. So if you are constantly saying yes to everyone else's agenda, then yes. you are saying no to your own agenda. And this, yeah. this parlays perfectly with what you were talking about. If, if you say yes yeah. to what everyone else wants you to do, then you rarely have the time for your own self-care and to fill your own bucket because you're burning the candle at both ends to please them. Mm-hmm. So I, I've learned to be much more diligent and have very high discernment in being able to protect and guard my time and energy, but I always do so with as much respect civility, tact, and professionalism uh, as possible. And, and what I use as my filter is I am incredibly clear on my core values and the man that I'm trying to become. And mm-hmm. I only even consider opportunities, saying yes to opportunities that are in alignment with those two things. 
If someone asks something of me that is not in alignment with those things, then as you said so perfectly, I'll say yes to the person, but no to the situation or no to the invite, because I want to make as many decisions in my life as possible that are leading me to becoming the person I want to be. And, and last thing I'll say is if, if you're, if you're, unless you learn to say no and you're saying yes to everyone, it means you're actually not getting anything done because you're mm-hmm. being spread in so many yeah. different directions. So the yes and no um, factor in learning how to have discernment is a game changer. And it's one that I've made great progress on over the last few years, but yeah. certainly still have some room to improve. Well, and there's another point here that I'd like you to speak about, and that is that if you are saying no um, because you need the self-care, then then you're taking care of yourself. But how do we take care of ourselves in our self-talk? How can we be kinder to ourselves? We may still say no, but we could still beat ourselves up, right? You could say to yourself, oh, Alan, well, okay, I did it, I did it, but oh, I feel terrible. Instead of how do we be kinder so that we can live with these things that we do and know that it's for are helping ourselves and other people too. Well, the tool that I use, the reframing tool I use, is I try and speak to myself the same way I would speak to a close friend or loved one. Now, um, mm. I, I know you and I are just now getting acquainted, but hypothetically, let's just say that you and I have been really, really good friends for the past 10 years. And you call me up and, and say, Alan, I really had a rough morning. You know, I, I, I you know, got in an argument with a colleague. Um, I, I had a proposal that got rejected. Uh, we had a technical issue with my show and something got messed up. You know, I, I'm really, really having a tough day. You know, if you were my close friend, the first thing I would do would be offer you some empathy and compassion. You know, mm-hmm. literally or figuratively, put my arm around your shoulder and say, Patricia, don't worry about it. Things are going to be okay. I know how it feels to have a rough day. Um, but I know how strong you are. I know how good you are. And I know that we're going to fix this and tomorrow is going to be even better. Like I would do mm-hmm. anything I could to comfort you and show you compassion. Mm-hmm. I need to learn to speak to myself in that same way. Yeah. What I find I a lot this. of high performers do is high performers are very self-critical. They, they stack mm-hmm. shame and guilt on top of things. When, when they make a mistake, they feel like it's the end of the world. And so I'm trying to learn to speak to myself with the same love and grace that I would speak to those that I really care about. Did, did you find that with the, the hot top performers like Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, did you find that they were more critical of themselves or did they learn more compassion for themselves? They would all acknowledge that they were highly critical of themselves. And, and, and mm. sometimes when you're talking about the upper 1%, you know, you yeah. hear the word obsessed thrown around a lot and perfectionism. And many of them, what, what is fascinating on some level, that is part of why they're so good at what they do. Yes. But yes. They, would even, they would even acknowledge, and that's obviously the premise of this book, that it is impossible to sustain that. That yeah. if you're going to speak yeah. to yourself that way, for long periods of time, it's going to be very detrimental. So, and please know that this is not about being complacent. This is not about not holding yourself accountable. Like you can hold yourself to an incredibly high standard of excellence. And I recommend that you do, but anytime you fall a little bit short of that, look at it as a learning experience, not as an opportunity to beat yourself up and pile it on. We all need to acknowledge we are human Mm -hmm. beings. We are fallible. We're flawed. Uh, Even the best of us are going to make some boneheaded decisions and have lapses in judgment. And when we do, uh, I believe you should acknowledge it. You should apologize if appropriate. You should learn the lesson from it. 
and then you should and wipe it clean and move on to the next move play. On. Exactly. Absolutely. You know who, when you're talking, you know who I'm thinking about is Tiger Woods. I mean, with the accident, mm. how he, he said, no, I'm going to get back into the game. He could have said, you know what, I'm going to retire. I mean, I'm not going to be as good a player as I was before. I'm going to read. He didn't do that. And I admire that. No matter what the outcome, he said, no, I'm going to get back into the game and I'm going to see what I can do. Absolutely. Incredibly admirable. Yeah. No. And, um, you know, and that, that takes a, lo- a lot of strength, I really think. So let me ask you. I, I was asking you this during the break. You know, you were the basketball coach turned business consultant. Did you ever play basketball, Alan? Oh, I most certainly did. In fact, basketball was my first identifiable passion, and I fell in love with the game at five years old. My parents signed me really? up for my first basketball recreation team. And, you know, basketball is still a major pillar in my life here 40 years later. Um, I was a pretty good public high school player here in the Washington, D.C. area. And then I went on to play at Elon College, which is now Elon University, uh, down in Burlington, North Carolina. So I was able to play the game I loved all the way up through college. Uh, While I was in college, I started to develop an equal affinity for strength and conditioning and fitness and nutrition and mindset, uh, everything under the umbrella of performance training. So when it was obvious to me that uh, I did not have the skills to play professionally, that when my college days were over, my formal playing days were over, that was when I decided to combine my original love of basketball with my newfound love of performance training and became a basketball Mm. performance coach uh, the day I graduated college and and did that for just over 15 years and loved every minute of it. Wow, isn't that that's so great? So you were able to combine, you were able to create what you wanted to with the, with your skills, right? You took your different skills, which is all part of this, you know. And 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 let me talk about that because I think that's part of your second. The first one is perform about managing stress day to day, short term, but the second one is about pivoting to avoid stagnation in your current situation. And that's really kind of what you did when you got out of college. You said, "Well, I love my basketball, but I also love, you know, the." the coaching and so i'm i'm going to pivot and combine them what do you think absolutely no you nailed it perfectly um one of the best pieces of advice i ever received that i'm so grateful i received this at a very young age was you need to find what it is that you love find what it is that you're naturally pretty good at and then find where those two things intersect and wherever Mm -hmm. those two things intersect that is your strength zone And the more time you can spend working on your craft in your strength zone, um, you'll perform at a higher level, you'll succeed and achieve at a higher level, but most importantly, you'll have a sense of purpose and fulfillment at the highest level possible. And for me, that point of intersection for the first third of my life was as a basketball player. Uh, When Mm -hmm. that no longer, when I no longer had the skills to play basketball, then that point of intersection changed a little bit. And I still followed that formula. Uh, I still followed something I loved, which was now basketball performance training. And it was still something I was pretty good at, the ability to inspire, the ability to coach and to teach and to motivate. So that point of intersection changed, but I was still in my strength zone. And then I I did that again 15 years later, uh, which was five years ago from now, when I decided to leave the basketball training space and pursue a career as a corporate keynote speaker and author. Uh, I started to feel burned out in the basketball training space. Being on the court and being in the weight room with players just wasn't exciting me to the degree it was before. So I Mm -hmm. followed that same formula again and said, okay, 
Now where is my point of intersection? And the reason I share that is, you know, as we all age and have new life experiences, we're going to uncover new passions and we're going to develop new skills. So that point of intersection will always change or can always change. And you have to be willing to pivot and in many cases be prepared to reinvent yourself if you ever feel that you're stagnating or you're approaching burnout. Yeah, it's so true. And I've done that many times. I've taken certain skills I have. You know, it was when you were talking about that because I've been, you know, done broadcasting and created my own programs for many, many years. And now I help people create their own podcasts. So in a sense, I'm a coach too because I, I played exactly. the game, if you will, and I still am. But now I, now I have that ability, having done it for so long, to help others. And I love that part of it. You know, it's very it's exciting to coach people. So it's a, a similar, similar thing. Thing. Alan, talk about pivoting. Talk about how people can pivot when they start to feel stagnant. Well, one of the first things you need to do is you need to take a close, hard look at who you're associating with. So who are you spending the most time with? Who is your inner circle? Who are the people that you work closely with? And you also need to take a close look at what it is that you consume. Uh, and I'm not talking about food, although that certainly is a portion of one's health, vitality, and well-being. But, but what are you consuming? We talked about this a little bit earlier in our conversation. What are you reading, watching, and listening to? Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge believer that the inputs in your life, the people you spend time with, and the things you read, watch, and listen to have a massive impact on your growth, your development, and certainly your perspective and how you see the world. So many times... Uh, one of the best ways to reinvent yourself and shake things up is to start investing time with new people and start investing time in new things to read, watch, and listen to, the content you consume. And we, we have to be really, again, have high discernment with that um, because if we want to make sure that we're always growing and that we're evolving and that we're improving, then we have to insulate ourselves with people and content that are doing mm -hmm. the same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And, and I think people don't understand the words they use and the impact. You know, they might make a comment or an offhanded comment or a joke that has really some negative words in it. And, uh, and, and, and they think that it's okay. But I think those words carry weight, right? I think all of our words carry weight. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that, that's a nice dovetail off of what we talked about earlier and how we talk to ourselves. We have to be real careful with the labels that we put on ourselves and, and the words that we use because w words are our way of defining thoughts and thoughts are mm. what trigger different emotions. And obviously emotions are, are, are how we feel. So we, we have to be incredibly careful and very particular with the words we choose. And, you know, I, yeah. I know you know this because you're a master communicator, um, but, but we also have, we have to keep the listener in mind, the person we're communicating with, and we have to learn how to speak their language. And we have to use, yeah. you know, words with connotations that will resonate with them. You know, mm -hmm. as communicators, both you and I, it's our job to make our message as sticky as possible and for it to resonate and for it to land. And if we're using language that turns the other person off or gets the other person to get defensive or, or close themselves off to hearing what we have to say, then we're working in the opposite direction. So I'm a huge believer in the power of language and the power of word choice. 
Right. And I think part of that comes from listening, don't you? Observing and listening to the other person. Because as you said, we're all different and we receive information differently depending on our backgrounds and our genes and our situations. And you could say, as you said before, you could say the same thing, those same words to two different people and one person would be offended, the other person wouldn't. So you need to spend time really understanding the person you're dealing with and listening effectively. Absolutely. And, and let me say this, you know, I... I I think most people would agree that, that our country over the last several years in particular has been rather divisive, that there have been mm-hmm. a series of things, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the political you know, elections and so forth, whether it's the economy, um, that, that have caused a, a fairly deep divide with many people. And I'm, I'm on a mission to make things much more inclusive instead of divisive. And the tools that I use, and this is just a framework that has really helped me increase my connection with fellow human beings and to really get them to buy in and to believe in uh, into the messages that I share. The first is I choose to believe that everybody is doing the best they can with Mm -hmm. the information they have and their level of awareness. So Mm -hmm. I I think even if you see here or see somebody say or do something that at first glance appears from absurd to abhorrent, I still believe they think they're doing the right thing or they think they're doing, you know, the best they can with the information they have. So I I try and extend some grace to other people. The second Mm -hmm. thing I try to do, and you just teed this up beautifully, is I try to get curious and fascinated by people that believe things that are much different than my own beliefs. So instead of me trying to convince them or argue with them or beat them over the head and try and get them to see the world through my lens, I take a step back and I I ask questions and Mm -hmm. I get curious. And I say, you know, Patricia, you and I happen to look at this very differently. I'd love to learn more about your point of view. I'd love to learn more why you believe what you believe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I do acknowledge is that our perception of the world, all of us, is heavily biased. We all see the world through yes. a different lens based yeah. on where we grew up, how we were yeah. raised, the, the people we were raised around, mm-hmm. geographically where we grew up. Yeah. You know, So all of these things have an influence over how we see the world. So I'm not surprised when someone that comes from a very different background than I have, maybe they're a different age, maybe they're a different ethnicity, different gender, uh, you know, they, they grew up in a different part of the country, why would I be surprised that they might view things differently than I do? We both have very different sets of information. And, and the last thing I'll say is I try not to look at anything as right or wrong, as good or bad, as positive or negative. I try to look at everything as being inherently neutral uh, mm-hmm. until you attach an emotion to it. So if you and I might see uh, – you and I might view something slightly differently – I don't want to come at it from a vantage point that I'm right and you're wrong. That is zero sum, and that is going to create that divide, and it's going to make you feel like I'm attacking you and not including. And so so that framework has really worked wonders for me over these last few years. Yeah, Yeah, it's creating a win-win. It really is. And you try as best to your ability. All right, we're going to take a break. This is terrific material. My guest is Alan Stein, Jr. His book is Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. And when we come back in our last segment, we'll talk about Prevail, which is the third piece. It's about beating burnout and making a lasting impact long term. And Alan Stein Jr. is an internationally renowned veteran basketball performance coach. 
He worked with some of the highest performing athletes on the planet. He speaks all over the country for top companies, and he's really here to help us improve our performance by empowering us to develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show well hello everyone and we are back And we are talking about sustaining your game and managing your stress, avoiding stagnation and beating burnout. My guest is Alan Stein Jr., who is a corporate performance coach and a world-renowned speaker. After more than 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, he now delivers high-energy keynotes and interactive workshops and impactful full-day trainings to help organizations improve performance, cohesion, and accountability. And his first book was Raise Your Game, High Performance secrets from the best of the best which received wide acclaim and now his brand new book just out is sustain your game high performance keys to manage stress avoid stagnation and beat burnout welcome back alan oh i'm so so loving this conversation 
<laughs> Me too. All right. So the third part of what you write about is prevail, which is about beating burnout and making a lasting impact. And I'll tell you what comes to mind when I think about this. I think about the people today that are running the Boston Marathon. Now, I know the show's evergreen. People might listen to the show three years later, but today is 2022 and we're uh, April 18th and the Boston Marathon's running and I have a friend in it. And, you know, they're going to do that 26.2 miles. So, you know, how do we sustain, how do we prevail when we know it's a long haul and we're just going to make it happen? One of the first things you do is you already have the North Star set in place, which in your friend's case is to finish the 26.2 miles standing with a smile. But once you've established that, you take your focus off of that outcome and that result and you put it on the process. You put it on what's right in front of you. you. You put it on giving the best effort that you're capable of. And in the case of running a marathon, you don't worry about running 26.2 miles. Just focus on running this mile. Whether that's mile number one or that's mile number 17, don't worry about the 26.2. Worry about the mile that's right in front of you. Uh, focus on, you know, running with your proper form and breathing correctly. Uh, focus on taking pit stops when you need to, to to refuel and to recharge. Just focus on the experience. And if, if you can actually enjoy running this mile and then you start to stack mile after mile, uh, as they say, the scoreboard will take care of itself. Before you know it, you'll be at 26.2. So take, a, take your sights off of the outcome and put them on the here and now and learn to love the work and learn to love the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's as you said, you don't look up the whole mountain. You take one step at a time. Right. Exactly. So let's, let's talk more about that last step, the prevail, beating the burnout, making that long-term impact. And, and here's an example. And, and I mean, I've been through this in my work is, you know, when you, you keep you keep moving toward your goal and you get disappointments, maybe you get two or three disappointments in a row, something you thought would happen or there was a project you really wanted. And, and you just how do you sustain that? I mean, another example of that is a project that I thought was gone because of COVID. And now it's come back again. And I didn't expect it. And it's very exciting. But I kept that goal alive. So how do we keep those goals when there are a lot of disappointments that come in, in between? Oh, man, such a beautiful question, because it's really a summation of several of the things that we've kind of already talked about. So this will put a beautiful bow tie on it. Um, one, we have to learn how to depersonalize it and detach from the outcome. So we have to be able to say uh, this sale or this proposal did not go my way. But that doesn't mean that I'm not good at what I do or that doesn't mean that I'm less than. It just simply means this didn't go my way. And what can I learn from this? So instead of getting dejected, is there a lesson that can be learned? Can I look, can I, can I re-engineer this and unpack this and, and take a look under the hood and say, was there things that I could have done differently to have gotten a different result? Sometimes that answer is yes. Sometimes that answer is no. Uh, sometimes you did everything possible to set yourself up for success, but mm-hmm. things outside of your control just didn't go mm-hmm. your way. And you have to learn how to be at, at peace with that. Many times, though, you'll be able to, to play it back. And this is why athletes spend so much time watching film. You'll be able to play it back and say, oh, uh, I could have done this a little bit differently, or I could have done this just a little bit differently. And, and consider that a victory, because now you know moving forward. The next time you have to make a sale or the next time you have to give a proposal, you'll have better information so you'll be able to make those tweaks moving forward. But, but the key is just simply moving to the next play. No different than when Stephen Curry misses a three-pointer. 
He missed that shot. It's over. He can't get it back. He doesn't spend another second worrying about it. That one's in the rearview mirror. And the next time he's open for a shot, he doesn't let what happened previously have a negative effect on what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and so let's talk about the support that you can get. You know, you were saying this to yourself, how you can be kind to yourself and kind to other people. So when we have these setbacks, do we talk to our coaches? Do we talk to our therapists? Do we talk to our friends? Do we do the self-talk or do we do all of it? We do a little bit of all of it. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, one of the things that makes the journey of life so much more challenging is when you feel like you're alone or you feel like you're yes. in isolation. I yes. really believe that was one of the hardest parts of, of the pandemic. When we were at the height of the pandemic and everyone was forced to quarantine and forced to lock down, I mean, almost to the point that you weren't allowed to go anywhere other than a quick trip to the grocery store, that, yes. that physical isolation really made people feel, feel alone. So I think anytime after you're kind to yourself and the way you talk to yourself, reaching out to others uh, is always a, a great next step. Um, and who you feel comfortable being open with, being vulnerable with, uh, and someone that you know cares about you without any hidden agenda. And that could be a family member, that could be a close colleague, that could be a professional like a coach or a therapist, um, but don't feel that you have to take the burden completely on your own shoulders. It takes courage to be vulnerable and courage to reach out to others and ask for help. Yes, absolutely. Tell us one. Tell us a great story with one of the great basketball players you worked with. Love. Let's close with with a really fun story. Well, well, my favorite story, and it's one of the signatures in all of my keynotes, is about the first time I met Kobe Bryant back in two thousand seven. And for those of your listeners that that follow basketball as closely as I do, uh, they know that in two thousand seven, Kobe was the best player in the game, and. Nike hired me to come work his skills academy, uh, which I was so thrilled for the opportunity. And I had always heard this urban legend of how insanely intense Kobe's individual workouts were. Um, so when I was on day one, at, you know, on his camp staff, I walked right up to Kobe, introduced myself, and asked if I could watch one of his private workouts. And he was incredibly gracious and, and said, sure, man, no problem. Um, so the following morning at really, really, really early hours, he was working out at four in the morning. Uh, I went and sat in the gym and observed his workout. And, and I remember as a young coach, I was really surprised, uh, because for the first 45 minutes of the workout, I watched Kobe do very basic footwork and offensive moves. I mean, he, he was doing the types of drills that I had done with middle school age players. Now, of course, mm. this was Kobe Bryant. So he was doing it with unparalleled intensity and unparalleled focus and precision, but the stuff he was doing was incredibly basic, and this surprised me. You know, I expected he was going to be doing a lot of flashy drills, a lot of sex and sizzle, sexiness and sizzle, and he was just doing the fundamentals. And later that day, I asked him because my curiosity overwhelmed me, and later that day I went up to him and said, Kobe, I don't understand. You're the best player in the world. Why are you doing such basic drills? And he flashed that famous million-dollar smile, and he gave me a very friendly wink. But he said in a very serious tone, why do you think I'm the best player in the world? It's because I never mm. get bored with the basics. And mm. that's a message that, is, that has stayed with mm. me since that day, um, that the best never get bored with the basics. And, and one thing mm -hmm. that's important to point out is that basic and easy are not synonyms. 
people use those words interchangeably, but they don't mean the same thing. I really and truly believe that what it takes to perform at your best, what it takes to sustain excellence, what it takes to have a very purposeful and fulfilling life is very basic in premise. But as we all know, none of this stuff is easy. You know, not a single thing that I have shared in this conversation so far is easy to do. If it was Correct. easy, everyone else would be doing it. <laughs> but, but we live in this world yeah. that tells us yeah. we can skip steps, tells us we should be looking for shortcuts and hacks, mm-hmm. tells us we should be chasing what's new and what's shiny. And, and I'm a believer that the basics work. They always have and they always will. And mm. whether you're trying to improve your relationship with your spouse or you're trying to improve your ability at, at work, um, learn to identify the basics and the fundamentals and then work towards mastery of those during the unseen hours. Hmm. How, how beautiful. What a beautiful way to close the program. Really, Alan, I mean, it's so inspiring. Thank you so much. How can people find you if they want to write to you or take a class with you or hear you speak? My main website is allensteinjr.com. I have a supplemental site, which is strongerteam.com. If anybody's interested in the book, uh, you can search for it in Amazon or Audible. Just type in Sustain Your Game. Uh, you can also go to sustainyourgamebook.com. And then I'm very easily found on social media, at Alan Stein Jr. Uh, I, love, uh, I love chopping it up with folks. So if anyone has a question, has a story to share, uh, or I can be of service in any way, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm very, very good about getting back to people. And uh, this was a really delightful conversation, Patricia. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it immensely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alan. It was an honor to interview you, really, truly. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this uh, inspiring edition (laughs) of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'll tell you, I love doing this work because it's so inspiring to me personally, and I know that we're spreading the word to so many people out there. Um, If you would like to get a copy of my newsletter so you can see about all these wonderful guests that we have on each week, write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list. Uh, You can find me on Facebook at Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And if you're thinking about doing your own podcast, you want to get your positive message out, I'd love to help you because I've interviewed about 5,000 experts in my years of doing this work. So remember, Patricia, PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, everyone, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.